Good evening and welcome. Our first song tonight will be number 55. Number 55. Beyond this land of parting, blessing and leaving, far beyond the loss of darkening this, and far beyond the taking and the bereaving, lies the summer land of bliss, land beyond so fair and bright, land beyond where is no night, summer Number 238, 238. After this song, we'll have our prayer and scripture reading.
Good evening. Our scripture reading tonight is going to be from Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23. Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to come into your house again today. Uh, we pray that you'll open our hearts as the words brought to us, that you would bless that word, and that you would help us to see how to use that word in the coming days and weeks ahead to uh, reach out to our friends, our neighbors, and even strangers, Father, that we meet on the street. We pray for our sick that uh, you might be with them and uh, just bless them, Father. We pray that uh, you'll uh, continue to work in their lives and uh, heal them. We pray for their doctors, Father, that you'll give them wisdom on how to treat uh, these individuals and that uh, you'll be with this uh, country, Father. Be with our leaders and help uh, us to realize that we need to humble ourselves before you and uh, just ask that uh, you would bless this nation. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Before our lesson this evening, sing number 602. 602. If you can, please, let's stand as we sing this song. There's a land that is fairer than day, and by faith we can see it apart, for the Father waits over the way to prepare us a dwelling place there. In the
Mark your books at number 950, 950. Good evening. Thank you. Uh, thank you, everyone, for coming this evening, especially those who are visiting. If you are visiting, we'd like nothing for you to come back at every available opportunity. Um, as always, you're a most honored guest, and, and we really do appreciate you being here. Um, I'm thankful for being allowed to be here. I'm thankful to the elders for allowing me to speak. Um, hopefully, this evening, um, we will we will see some things. We'll probably not learn anything, but we will see some things that maybe we've forgotten, or maybe we've lost the the urgency behind um, maybe that, uh, that we'll leave here with a, a greater sense of urgency toward what God expects from us and, um, and maybe a better understanding of what he expects from us, but definitely a, a, a greater sense of urgency. So before we begin, I wanted to kind of expound on um, the scripture reading. So, and again, in Matthew chapter 7, I want to start at verse 13. It says, Enter ye into the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many with there will many there be which go in there and end thereat. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing but are inwardly or ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so every good tree bringeth forth good fruit but the corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto him, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. It's probably some of the scariest verses in the Bible if you sit and, and, and uh, read them and ponder on them. Um, so, again, this evening, what I'm hoping to do is, is that we see um, the sense of urgency. We're going we're gonna to build off of what we, we talked about last time, which was that urgency with which we are called to be rescuers of those that need to be rescued. And this is to be uh, with a sense of urgency in how we ourselves pursue God, how... Uh, how we approach our relationship with God, and then, then to make sure that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. So this evening I wanted to start out with a, a uh, story from Jerry Clower. I don't know if any of you people know Jerry Clower, but when I was a young man, we would run around hunting and fishing and everything, and there was always a cassette deck in there that had Jerry Clower in it. And he had a, so a story one time. It was about he and Marcel had gone out raccoon hunting. They'd taken their dogs out, and they'd caught a bunch of raccoons, and they said he wanted to, he said, what we did was bought it, we got all these raccoons and we we're going to sell the pelts to Sears and Roebuck so that we would have enough money so that we could go see a Tarzan picture show. Um, and he sent those raccoon pelts into Sears and Roebuck's and they got a, uh, a check for a dime, which wasn't apparently enough to buy a ticket to the Sears and Roebuck or to the uh, Tarzan picture show. So they decided then, Marcel came up with the idea that we'll just catch possums instead and sell those to people to eat. And so that's what they were doing one evening. They were out one night, and they were looking for possums. They had their dogs out, and they were getting ready to chase these possums, and they were down by the railroad tracks, and, and they heard a train coming. And he said that Marcel took his bandana, his red bandana, out of the back pocket, and he wrapped it around that lantern. And as that train came into view, he started swinging that red lantern. And that freight train, 100-car freight train, locked him up, slid right up there to Marcel. The conductor come running off. He said, son, what's the emergency? What's the problem? What's the, what do we have here? He said, there's no emergency. I wanted to know if you wanted to buy a possum. 
He said, you idiot. You mean to tell me you stopped a 100-car banana freight train to ask me if I wanted to buy a possum? He said, you're an idiot. He said, but since we have stopped, and since I do like possum, he said, what do you want? How much you want for him? And Marcel said, well, we ain't caught him yet. We just wanted to know if you wanted one. <laughs> so this evening, I'm not interested in the Tarzan picture show. I'm not interested so much in the 100-car banana train, but we'll touch on that here in a minute. I'm not interested in possums or coon hunting or anything like that. What I want to do, though, is draw our attention to this lantern that Marcel had wrapped in red. At the, 20, at the turn of the century, 20th century, the railroad used lanterns to communicate. They had white, amber, and red lanterns. The white ones were saying, you're free to pass. Everything's great. You don't have anything to worry about. Yellow ones said that you needed to use caution for whatever reason. Maybe a big snow, maybe a tree that was on the, or cattle that was on the line. Red meant stop. Red meant there's danger. So what I wanted us to do this evening is to look at these scriptures, look at the, 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 what God expects from us, and if we need to, start waving that red lantern where we need to. Because my hope is, is that we all go to heaven one day. And we all have different circumstances within our lives. We have different things that we, we, that we deal with. But hopefully, and I said this once before, hopefully we are just all walking each other home. And if I or you are having a problem, an issue, then, and you need to or I need to wave that red lantern, then, then we can and we will because we love each other. And that's what we talked about the last time. Not minding my own business because I love you. And not minding your own business because you love me. So this evening, what I want to do is to take a look at the urgency with, with which to address these verses within Matthew chapter 7 and what we need to do about it. Now this evening, you're going to do one of the, one of the following things is, is how you will um, react to this lesson. Number one, you may say, well, that's for somebody else. I've got it all figured out. I hope you do. But so many times, if we spend our time listening to the Word of God, reading from the Word of God, and we're looking for somebody else in that, and not ourselves, then we don't benefit from what we're reading and what we're hearing. It's really easy when we have issues in our life to say, man, it, Jerry Stevens really needs to hear this one. Or Gary, Gary Leap really needs to hear this lesson. And when I'm the one who should have the light shined upon me. So that's the first way you can look at this. The second way you can look at this, you will dismiss everything I have to say because you'll say Steve's a hypocrite. I promise you. Not a hypocrite. I did fall very hard. And although it didn't demand my life for it, there are almost unbearable circumstances and consequences to it. <clears throat> and what I truly want to do is to make sure you all don't ever have to bear consequences like that. And ultimately, we never, any of us, have to bear the consequence of eternal hell. Because once it's done, it's done. Thirdly, you may say, well, he's a false prophet. What he's saying isn't true. 
Everything I'm going to say is out of the Bible. Everything I'm going to say is of God's Word. So it's going to be up to you to judge whether or not that I'm telling the truth. And, and whether or not that, that, that my intention is for all of us to get to heaven. And if we're doing something wrong or not doing something right, then it is my desire that I change the way I do things and that you change the way you do things because I truly want to. I truly want to be in heaven one day. Or lastly, you'll see that perhaps you aren't being urgent enough tonight in what you do and how you live. And just maybe you'll pick up that lantern and throw that bandana around it and swing it. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Not every man that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name cast out demons? And in thy name have we not done many wonderful works? And I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. It's one of the scariest verses in the Bible. Like I said, our series, my motivation this evening comes from love. My motivation this evening is that I want us to look at this and to look at this with a sense of urgency because the truth of the matter is this verse says that there may be people among us right now sitting in the pews. There may be people that sat in those pews this morning that were here, depart from me, I never knew you. Even though they cry, Lord, Lord, day and night and definitely on that last day. And once that's done, it's done. There is no lawyer that can get you out of it. There is no plea. There are no amount of tears that can change the outcome. So it's with urgency that we need to look at these things because our life is but a vapor that appeareth for a short time that vanishes away. Everybody here is driven in the fog in the morning. Sometimes it's so bad you can't see the hood of your car hardly. And it seems like there's always somebody passing me doing 70 miles an hour in that. And I thought, how in the world could you even see? And then we'll look out the window when we get to work or, or go through the house and look out the window and it's gone. I will guarantee there's not anybody here that's sitting here today that has watched that fog and went, and now it's gone. It's just a tear one minute, and the next minute, when you pay attention, it's gone. And that's the way our lives are. And that's for any age. That's not for older people. That's not for people in dangerous occupations. That's for anybody. Your life is a vapor, incredibly fragile. And if we will look at this in perspective that we should, if... That way of eternity is farther than the east is. And that way in eternity is farther than what the west is. How much, how can you get farther than east and west? Well, that's eternity. You take the 70 years that we have on this life, plus or minus, and you set that on that line, and it's thinner than a razor blade. So shouldn't we be investing this small portion so that we can see the rest of eternity, no matter what it takes? Matthew 7, 21, not every man that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. These are people like you and I. These aren't people that were saying, there's no God. I have no use for God. I don't need any of that stuff. These aren't people that say, but Lord, I, I, was, I went to church when I was a kid. My mom and dad took me. I mean, I fell away and everything. I didn't go anymore. But I, These are people that are saying, Lord, Lord. These are people that prayed. These are people that came to church. These are people that read their Bible. These are people that taught Sunday school class that said, Lord, Lord. 
Verse 22, they give an example of what they've done for God. Have we not? Have we not? Lord, Lord, fill in the blank in your own life. Lord, Lord, have I not? Did I not? And it's not going to matter. These people were active. These people weren't people that were reaching out for something on the last day there in the front of judgment and decided finally to, to, to accept Jesus as Lord or to identify Him as Lord or recognize Him as Lord. These are people that served, that were there, that were attending church. So what did they do wrong? Matthew 7, 21, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. That's the key, is to do the will of the Father. Luke 6, 46 through 49 starts out, and it says, And why ye call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? That's Jesus talking. Why do you say, Lord, Lord, but you don't do what I tell you to do? What do you, and, and, you know, here's one of the things that we have such a, a false um, way of looking at things. God does not say anything to you. He does not command you to do anything whatsoever that he put into motion because I'm God and I can pull your strings. Everything that he gives us in this word is for our own good and our own benefit. And we said that the last time. God's plans are like a circle, a perfect circle. And if we will do what he says, it turns out this way, which makes it easier to do what he says, which then turns out this way, and it just keeps doing that until we mess it up. How can you possibly know the will of the Father without reading the Word and studying the Word? We cannot leave this place, put on our other coat, stick the Bible over on the shelf, not constantly pursue that word and expect that word to stay in us. Trust me. Trust me. Because Satan is there constantly trying to pull you away. So if you are not here finding out what God's will is, if you are not here continually reminding yourself of what God's will is, then you can't possibly continue to do God's will. My brother likes to do puzzles. I'm not a big puzzle fan. My mom was as well. It's just not, it's too tedious for me. Um, and it's aggravating whenever I know that this puzzle piece should fit into that other one, but it just will not because there's a defect from the factory and I have to fix this. But if you were to work a puzzle and it was a thousand piece puzzle and I didn't let you know what it looked like and I said, Jeremy, here's the first piece. Go after it. Here's the second piece. Here's the third piece. This is what we get when we don't spend time in the Bible, when we do read or we do come and we listen to a lesson or we come to a class, but we don't spend a lot of time in here. Is we get one piece of the puzzle, one piece of the puzzle, one piece of the puzzle, one piece of the puzzle. And that's great if the problem that we're addressing is that piece. But it all works together. It all lays together. It's all intertwined. And there's so much more to get from the Bible once it is intertwined and once it is committed in you. So when you take that puzzle then, how much easier it is it if we dump the whole puzzle pieces out and you start sorting corner pieces out and side pieces out and light pieces and dark pieces, how much easier? And then you got the front of the box to go by. That's what it's talking about to immerse ourselves in the Word. Because I'll tell you something, there's something to be said for in-depth studying on a topic. 
There's also something to be said with what I referred to as shotgun reading. And that's just jumping in and reading until you get tired and jump in tomorrow night and read until you get tired and jump in tomorrow night and read until you get tired. And you know what the benefit of that is? Is that all of a sudden a lot of these verses in 1 Corinthians have a reference in Matthew. Well, if you read Matthew last June and you read 1 Corinthians yesterday, then you won't make those connections. Then all of a sudden those, those references from the Old Testament that they make, uh, Hebrews 11, all those make a lot more sense when they're fresh. So we need to dump the whole puzzle piece out, every puzzle piece out, and to immerse ourselves in it. Because it's the only way that we can be pleasing to God. It's the only way that we can live a life that He wants us to live. It says to study to show thyself approved. Number one, that study to show thyself approved so that you know what God wants of you. Number two, there's a confidence coming from that if you study to show yourself approved that if anyone asks you any question, you are ready with an answer, a biblical answer. We need to know His will, and then we need to apply it. And sometimes that gets hard. Sometimes that's where we get off the rails. Because sometimes His will is uncomfortable for us. Sometimes we'd rather not do that. Jesus said, turn the other cheek. I don't know about you, but when I was a young man, if I was 18 years old, and you smacked me on the side of the cheek, the last thing you're getting from me is me turning my other cheek. That's what He expects from us. He expects us to be humble. He expects us to be gentle. He expects us if, if somebody does us wrong, then to forgive them. That's his expectation, and sometimes that's really hard. But that doesn't keep it from being his will. And so who am I to decide what I keep and what I throw away of God's will? I read in a newspaper article one time, and I don't mean anything by this. I'm not wanting to upset anybody. I'm not picking a fight by any means. But this woman went through this in an opinion article in the Herald-Dispatch a long time ago. I go to church every Sunday. I do this, 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 I do this. But submit myself to my husband? Never. And I thought, well, you might as well not have listed anything else. Because it's not us to pick and choose. We're not the ones who are, labeled or are allowed to, to preen and prune what we, what we like and what we don't like. Again, God's will is God's will, and it is perfect. And if we'll do it all, if we were possibly could do it all, then it would be perfect. But we are imperfect. We are imperfect. That doesn't give us the excuse to say, well, I don't need to try because I'll never achieve perfection. If that was the way it was, if you, ne if you gave up when you couldn't achieve perfection, none of us would walk, none of us would talk, None of us would feed ourselves because you got to learn to do that and you got to work into doing that. And some people still don't do it well. I don't walk well. But that didn't stop us from trying and continue to try and continue to try and continue to try. And that's what God wants from us. Learn His will and try our best to live up to it for everything that we can. Matthew 21, 28 through 29 says, But what, th what think ye? A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard he answered and said I will not but afterward he repented and he went and he came to the second and said likewise and he answered and said I will go sir and he went not whether the twain did the will of the father 
And they said unto him, The first. And Jesus said to them, Verily I say unto you, that the publicans and the harlots will go into the kingdom of God before you. See, there's a whole lot to be being said for, I will do it, I will do it, I will do it, Lord, I will do it, Lord, Lord. And you leave in the doors and go, I ain't doing that. I got better things to do. Or knowing I should be doing this, but man, ball game's on. This person here is in the hospital, or this person here is suffering, or this person, I could help this person right now, but I just started this chili. There's a thousand and one excuses, and you know what I'm talking about because you'll, you'll put yourself in a place where you make the excuse for yourself. I get a, I'm, I'm making this, well, I, I'm not making the chili right now, but, but I'm getting ready to right now. I'm going over here and getting the pot right now. Now I'm making the chili, and I just made myself an excuse. Jonah is one of the best examples in the Bible of fighting God's will. He had every reason to. He didn't like those people. Why in the world would you be saved? They're horrible. I hate them. I'm not doing it. I'm not going to do it. And he eventually did. And when it turned out like God wanted, he pouted. I don't like this at all. God wants us to do as we, talk, as, he, as, as we ask us to do. And that may rile some people's pride, but if you are a parent here, how many rules did you make for your child that was just because, I'm dad. Now, everybody here is probably at one point or a sentence, because I'm dad and I said so, or I'm mom and I said so, but that wasn't why you made the rule. You didn't let them play out in the car, road out there because you didn't want them to get hit by a car, and they had no idea what, what danger they were in if they did it. You didn't let them go and swim in the pond by themselves when they were four because you didn't want them to drown. To them, you're a tyrant. Why in the world can't I ride in the road? Why in the world can't I? My mom and dad are so horrible. They wouldn't let me swim. But you did it because you loved them. God puts these, these, these things within his word to protect us. Not to damage us. Not to chain us, not to punish us, but it's for our own good. Then we need to test ourselves. Test ourselves. In 2 Kings chapter 5, was it the Jordan River that cleans Naaman of his leprosy? Was it the Jordan River? Or was it his obedience and submission to God? I'm going to say it wasn't the Jordan River because I can't believe that he was the only leper that ever went into the Jordan River. And we're not told of any others that made it without leprosy. He submitted himself, and he did the will of God. People will attack the need for baptism, claiming it is a work, and, and if it is a work, then it wasn't for salvation. Works are just that, things that you feel like you, you will do. And put. I get people all the time say, you can't, baptism doesn't count. It says, you know, it's not of works, lest any man shall boast. I'm going to tell you what the difference between works are I'm going to tell you what works aren't. Works aren't a byproduct of love for God. Works are you saying, if I do this, I can check a box off. If I do this, I will have God's favor. If I do this, then people will like me. What isn't a work is the byproduct, the things you do as a byproduct of faith. That's not a work anymore. That's a byproduct of faith. 
If I go over and visit Gary because I say, you know what? Gary's got this gun over there that I like, and he may give me that gun. That's a work that I'm doing for benefit of myself. But if I love Gary, and I'm worried about him, and I go over and visit him, and Gary says, you know what? I got something for you. That gun's not a byproduct of the work anymore. Does that make sense? It's not. If I go out and say, Lord, watch this, I'm going to go over and tell this person about you. Watch this, watch this. We are no different than the Pharisees that said, don't stand on the corner praying so people can see you because you got your reward. You just committed a work to make yourself look like something and good, congratulations, you look like something. Same thing with fasting. Don't wear your face around in a grimace and let everybody know, oh man, I'm fasting, I'm starving to death. Because then it's a work. It's not a byproduct. What God desires from us is obedience, submission through faith that results in our lives and actions changing because of love. Maybe the same actions works versus byproduct either way, but it is the motive that God is interested in from us. What about my heart? People say, I can feel it in my heart. Is that how we will know that we're within the will of God, that we're doing the will of God? Is because I can feel it in my heart. God can and change your, and will change your heart. In Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, it says, I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. He will change your heart. But Jeremiah 17, 9 says, A human heart is the most deceitful of all things, and desperately wicked. Who, who can know it? Who can know it? So we can't rely on our heart, because our heart is all about feel good. And if I go over there and I say, you know what? I'm going to take Gary dinner because I want everybody to see me. And I take Gary dinner and I don't care whether Gary eats or not, but I see you seeing me and I feel all good about that. Yeah, I'm definitely of God because I can feel it. We can't always rely on that. We can't rely on that emotion. No wicked heart is ever going to tell me you have a wicked heart. Proverbs 16, 25 says, There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. There's things that I'm going to feel that that's, that's probably okay, or that I'm going to think that'll be fine. This is the direction I need to go. But unless I check this against this, unless I look for what he wants me to do, then the ends of those are the ways of death. Is it the friends I choose to have? Is it the people I hang around with? Does that show that I'm doing the will of God? Although God will, will make you have a desire to have, be around the children of God, He will. Because once you have that change in, within your life, then you don't want to be around the people you used to hang around. You don't want to hear the language. You don't want to, to, to interact in, in the activities. You don't want any of that stuff. but there are also those that hang around children of God for the appearance. There are people that hang around godly people for the appearance. In Matthew chapter 13, we're told about the mustard seed. And then when that mustard seed grows into a, a great tree, and becomes so great that the birds of the air do come and nest in the branches thereof. Those birds are not of that mustard tree or that tree. Those birds have nothing to do with that tree other than they're using that tree. They don't serve any purpose to that tree. They're probably detrimental to that tree. But from a distance, it looks like they're part of that tree. I made the, um, 
I made the, the, the illustration one time that it's not up to me to judge whether you, what your fruit is. And I'll say this because, because we just touched, off, touched on this. It's not up to me to decide what your fruit is because you know what? If you are an orange tree, I can see it from a mile away. I can see all the oranges hanging on there. But you know what? You may be an oak tree. And there may be fruit like crazy. But if you've ever been around an oak tree, you can't see the acorns until they fall. That doesn't mean they're there. They didn't just appear. But it produced a lot of fruit. So we got to be really careful whenever we say, you know what, I don't see that person producing any fruit. Because I'm here to tell you, there are people that produce fruit that you don't know anything about. I'm going to call her out, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to embarrass you. Norman Dennison sends cards for everything. And bless her heart. I needed them sometimes. Thank you. You don't see that. You see Chris French preaching, but you don't see that fruit. I need to be aware and responsible for the fruit that I'm producing, and you need to be aware and responsible for the fruit you're producing. If you see that Steve doesn't appear to be producing fruit, then it is your responsibility. And like I said, with urgency, like I said last time, come to me and say, Steve, what's wrong? And I should be able to go to you and do the same thing because, again, we're just walking each other home. The company you keep does play a role in your service to God and doing His will. Hebrews 10, 24, 25 says, And let this consider one another to provoke unto love and to do good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as we see the day approaching. Psalms 111 on the other side of that says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, meaning not standing with the sinners, nor sitteth at the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth the, he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth, the fruit in, forth his fruit in the season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for there the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. When I was a young man, my dad had beagles. We always raised beagles. Um, at one time, we had 21 puppies in the backyard, all within two weeks of each other. You talk about a, a blast as a kid. But, um, and I, you know, I got older, and I started rabbit hunting, and I had my own dog that daddy gave me, and she was a great dog, and uh, offered a lot of money for her in 1986. Um, my dad told me a piece of advice one day. He said several days, but I remember him telling me the first time. He said, never run your dog with somebody else's dogs. Never take your dog. If they're going to take their dogs, leave her home. Don't take your dog and run it with somebody else's dogs because it will pick up every bad habit those other dogs have, but it'll never pick the good ones up. And it took me a long time to realize that he was giving me a greater lesson in life than just on beagle dogs. Be careful in the company you keep. Who we listen to can have a strong bearing on how well we follow God's will. Matthew 7, 22. Many will say unto me, Lord, Lord, have I not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? Look at all they've done. Look at all they did. Salvation does not come from attendance or from singing beautifully, or from preaching, from casting out demons, from being immersed in baptism, 
or any other work. That's not how sal where salvation came from. Salvation came from the love of God that He loved us so much that He sent His Son to hang on a cross for the sins that you committed, that I committed, to purchase us back from sin. To pay a price that we couldn't possibly pay ourselves and then raised Him up on the third day. That's where salvation comes from. We are allowed to be partakers of salvation when we do those things that he's told us to do, we start out with hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized. But that is not a one-shot deal. We don't hear and go, okay, I'm, okay I repent. I, I'm sorry I did everything I ever did. I confess that Jesus is the Son of God. Baptize me. Yeah, okay, I think I got them all. That's not a one-time deal. Because if you have stopped hearing... You will die. If you have stopped believing, you will die. If you stop repenting, you will die. If you stop confessing Jesus as Lord, you will die. The only one that there that's needed only once is the baptism. The rest of them is a life of living for God. Salvation is possible only because Jesus hung on that cross and bore our sins and the wrath of God. It says a lot, so much about the love of God, but it also says a lot about the depravity of men and that the Son of God had to die because we couldn't get it together. Or the Son of God had to die. Evidence of your salvation now does not come from a certificate of baptism, a cross you wear around your neck, or a real men wear Jesus t-shirt. Evidence of your salvation is a change in your life. It's a change in the way you do things. It's a change in the way you think. It's a change in the way your priorities are, are, are measured and listed. Being a child of God means no longer being comfortable around the sin of the world. We no longer can blend in with the world, nor do we want to. So if we think that we can walk out of here put on my world coat, spend my week being part of the guys, then put back on my godly coat and walk in. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, listen to me. Listen to me. You can't do it. You can't. We are a new creature and there's evidence of God all over us and all through us. Let's get back to that 100-car banana train. Now, this is an illustration I heard, but I'm going to place it since we talked about Jerry Clower's train anyway. There needs to be a change in you. There needs to be a change in me. If we can't see it, we haven't done something right. What I didn't tell you in the story is Marcel Ledbetter's mom had told him, you be home by one, or midnight tonight. And Marcel didn't get home till 1 o'clock that night. And when he came in that morning, his mom was sitting there at the table. She said, what in the world happened? Marcel told her, said, I was down there hunting possums with Jerry, and our dogs got on the other side of the track, and that freight train was coming, 100, 100 car banana train, 120 miles an hour. It was roaring down those tracks, and I didn't want the dogs to be stuck on the other side, and I didn't want them to dart back to me, so I started to dart across those tracks, and bam, that train hit me, doing 120 mile an hour. I rolled, I couldn't even tell you how many times I rolled. Knocked me hundreds of yards down the track. I woke up, and as soon as I did, I came straight home, and she said, you're a liar. You're an idiot. 
Because there's no way in the world that you could step out in front of a 100-car banana train doing 120 miles an hour and there not be any more evidence on you than what there is. Which is bigger, that train or God? How can I come into contact with God and there not be any more evidence than what I'm showing? Evidence, proof, change. In repenting, then continue to repent. In seeking and doing the will of God. In placing Him above all other things. Realizing He is the provider of all things. Do you think you're sacrificing by putting God first? You're putting yourself in the lead. You think you're sacrificing? Look what I got to give up to put God first. You look what you gain. You gain all this. Because you put you first, you put somebody else first. Whatever you put first, you will lose that. Because you can't keep it by yourself. Put God first, and He'll keep it for you. He promised He would. Matthew 7, 23, And then I will press to them, I never knew you. I don't know if there's more haunting words in this world. I never knew you. I've heard people say, I know Jesus. I know Jesus. I've got a personal relationship with Jesus. I talk to Jesus. I sing about Jesus. I know him. It doesn't matter if you know him. It doesn't matter if you know him. Luke 4, 33 and 34, Jesus had come to Capernaum and he goes into a synagogue and there's a man there that had a spirit of unclean devil and he cried out with a loud voice saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee, thou art the Holy One of God. Mark 5, 1 through 7, Jesus comes to the, to the, uh, the other side of the sea. He gets out and there comes a legion running from the tombs. And he said, let us alone, we have, what have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Oh, I'm sorry, what have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. The demons knew Jesus. The demons knew Jesus and they tremble. We can say, I know Jesus and it not affect us whatsoever. If you go out right I, I saw a, a, a statistic the other day that said in the South, 70% of people, a little over 70% of the people, believe in God. The same study had 32% of people go to church. So how can you have one without the other? It's not enough to believe. It's not enough to say you know Jesus. Jesus better know you. He better know you. He knows if you walk in the narrow path. He knows if you walk in the light. He knows you if you walk in the way of righteousness. 1 Corinthians 8, 3. But if any man love God, the same is known of him. That's how he knows you. And he better know you. Matthew 7, 23. And then I will profess to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. One of these days we will stand on the last day, and we will hear, enter in, thou good and faithful servant, or we will hear, depart from me.
are in 100% control on what you hear. 100%. If you're committed fully and you do what God, the will of God, and you love God and you love His, His family, then you will hear, enter in, thou good and faithful servant. If you hate God, if you have nothing to do with God, if you never did believe that there was a God, then you will hear, depart from me. If you said, I had a little bit of God in my life. Yeah, every once in a while I'd read the Bible. I'd do some of those things he said, some I didn't do, because I just thought that was just ridiculous. Then you will hear, depart from me. This evening, if you have any need whatsoever, do something about that this evening while it is today. Don't put it off to tomorrow. That's the easy way out. That's the excuse. That's Satan telling you, you got time, everything will be fine. You don't know that you've got, you don't know that you'll push the latch on the door out front. Make it right now while you can. If you've never been baptized, if you've never had your sins washed away by the promise of God through the watery grave of baptism to arise and walk in the newness of life, tonight is the night to do that. If you have done that, but you have fallen away, slipped away, didn't run away maybe, just kind of drifted, tonight's the night to come back. Let me tell you what. I know it's scary. I know it is. But I know it's shameful. I know it. But I also know that the love that God has for you covers all that. So if you have a need tonight, we come so we stay in sync. announcements to go with before we're dismissed. Uh, July 11th, Grayson Lake, uh, kayaking to the grotto. This is for our youth. Uh, I'm way too old for that. July 12th, before Wednesday evening services, we're going to have a video scavenger hunt. 
and July 15th, the Yatesville Water Park in Louisa, Kentucky. Uh, July 16th is the Deacons meeting, July 18th, Young at Heart, July 20th to the 23rd is the Beckley Family Mission Trip, and check the mowing schedule if you can help out with that. Remember in our prayers, Jim, Jimmy Wilgus, Jim Haney, Amber Spitzer, Sean Maynard, and Nathan Payne and family as he's heading to Thailand for work. Is there any other announcements need to be made? If not, the Lord's Supper is still prepared in the comfort room to my left. You are right. You may do so as we have a closing song and a closing word of prayer. Closing song tonight will be number 242. 242, we'll sing this song and have our closing prayer. We read of a place that's called heaven. It's made for the pure and the free. These truths in God's word he has given. How beautiful heaven must be. How beautiful heaven must be. Sweet home of the happy and free. please. Father, we're thankful for this beautiful day of life that you've given us, for the opportunity to come here and to hear another lesson from your word. We're thankful for your son who came and died for us. Father, we pray that the things we've done are pleasing unto you in accordance with your will. We ask that you watch over us this week as, as we go about our daily walk of life, that we can let our light shine in this community and help stop someone from going the opposite way. Bless us, Father. Give us a safe passage home. Bring us back at the next appointed time. Bless our sick and our shut-ins. In thy son's name we pray, and amen.